الرحمن الرحيم ويان سورة قاف سورة نمبر 50 آية نمبر 30 أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم يوم نقول لجهنم هل امتلأت هل امتلأت وتقول هل من مزيد that after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala destines people who are disobedient to the torment of Jahannam, the punishment of the fire, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will make several proclamations, either directly himself or through the angels who are the wardens of Jahannam. So in this ayah, Allah says, remember the day when we will say to Jahannam, are you filled? Are you satisfied? Have you had enough of devouring the people, the human beings and the jinn in your stomach? Is your stomach now filled to the brim? Jahannam will reply, is there any more? Give me more. The Jahannam will not be satiated. It will not be filled. It will say, I have room for more and more. It will be as if its appetite is unassailable. Its appetite cannot be satisfied no matter how many uh, beings are thrown into hell. Mm. So uh, this is the, 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 the state of Jahannam. Jahannam, as you know, is also a shay, a thing that is very real. It has its own life. Mm. So it's able to perceive and listen to the command of Allah and is able to respond to Allah's conversation, and so, which in itself is very frightening. So we see here that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is depicting Jahannam in this very, very ferocious, very angry being, as we, you will read in Surah Tabarak later on. That it will be, it will be uh, about to tear apart itself. From anger, so Jahannam will be very angry, and you will feel the anger. As I said, it's a being, and its uh, anger will be felt, and its sound will be felt, and its heat will be felt from very far away. This is the last straw. In the last straw, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides that no one else will enter Jahannam. Uh, This will be that moment. So Yom here could be referring to that moment, although technically there's still time there. Time will be uh, abolished after this event. But the Qulu Halmin Mazid, is there any more? Is there any room? I have room for plenty of other inhabitants of hell. So anyhow, after this, there are hadith that speak of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala coming down and putting his foot, Mubarak, into hell, and hell is now squeezed. And it becomes very, very small that there's not an inch left in Jahannam. And as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is squeezing Jahannam with his foot, Jahannam will then say, Qattu, Qattu, enough, enough. So that's obviously without going into the idea of what Allah's foot, Mubarak, is, we don't make ta'wil, it is what it is. You believe it the way the Prophet ﷺ uh, said it, and there's no other way to believe it. 
So, so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now constricts Jahannam, makes it exceptionally small that nothing else can enter, then that is when death will be presented in the form of a ram and it will be slaughtered. And the people of Jannah will see that. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will announce to the people of Jannah that you are now in khulud, which is mentioned a few ayahs later, maybe the next ayah. No. So here we see the, 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 the phases of human existence. Uh, so this surah is uh, based on Al-Qur'an Al-Majid, the noble Qur'an and the nobility of Allah, is to reward those who do good deeds and to punish those who don't do good deeds. That's part of his justice and part of his law. But it's also based on the various phases of human existence. This is one phase of hopefully very few human beings, the phase in Jahannam. That's why it's initiated by the word Yom, this one phase of existence. Allah, through his generosity, is informing the human being that human beings need to take heed of these ayat that speak of the other phases of human beings that are beyond our sense perception here in this world. And Jannah will be brought forward and brought closer from the word Zulf. It will be brought closer to those who have taqwa and not too distant away. Without being too distant, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will bring Jannah forward. Obviously. The most simple understanding is what the language says. It will be brought forward. So it might be distant for those people who have fear and taqwa in the sense that they're still afraid uh, and they're in awe of Allah's now domination. So they may feel and perceive that Jannah is so far away, it is beyond our reach. So Allah will bring it forward, very close to the people of Taqwa and those who fear Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as a reward for them. Yes, Jannah is far away and it is beyond human perception. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow people to enter Jannah through his rahmah, not through their actions. And that will become apparent on the Day of Judgment that nobody enters Jannah simply because of their good deeds. It has to be accompanied by um, Allah's rahmah, Allah's follow. So that's the meaning of bring, being brought forward. And this is possible. It happened to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in this world as he was doing Salat and Jannah was brought forward to him from beyond, beyond the wall. So this is not something that is impossible. It happened to the Prophet here in this dunya. Uh, it will happen to all the believers and all those who have taqwa on the day of judgment. And it will not be far away. They will have the bashara and the glad tidings of seeing Jannah very close up front. As I said, it will be a form of honoring them and a form of rewarding them. This is what has been promised to all of you, to Adun. All of you have been promised this uh, phase of your existence, this is another phase, this is another stage in the journey towards Jannah. So all of these descriptions are descriptions of the phases of Jannah, towards Jannah, and God forbid, uh, the hurdles or the, the phases towards Jahannam. So this is what has been promised to you. And then everybody will remember, yes, this was promised to us. For every such person uh, who is always coming back, awab, awb, someone who returns to Allah all the time, Hafil, uh, remembering his covenant. Uh, Hafil, somebody who remembers from the word Hafil, Hafilah, 
Uh, it also means someone who protects and someone who is protected. But here it's in the sense of coming back to Allah and remembering the sins of uh, yourself, remembering the mistakes, the faults, the blunders, all the inequities, all the different forms of dhulm that we enacted. So we will remember. And as we remember, we are now drawn closer to Jannah. Uh, That is how Allah is saying. That as as, uh, encouragement to human beings, that you have to come back to Allah. It's not as if Allah doesn't know you commit sin. No human being is perfect. So in your imperfection, you must come back to Allah because Allah is perfect. And Allah is perfect in forgiveness and in pardoning and then rewarding for your tawbah. Hafeez, those who remember their uh, sins and their mistakes and their faults and so on. So the, the whole spirit, as you will see in the next time, is that human beings uh, should not assume they're going to Jannah because of their actions, number one. And number two, that in this dunya, human beings must not assume they're perfect, which is obviously a disease, is a cancer. Everybody thinks they're perfect. They can never go wrong, they can never make a mistake. And so, so perfection for a human being is not possible in this world except for a few. But even in that perfection, the door of Toba is still wide open if and when they make a mistake. So they will never assume they're perfect, which is part of the Kamal Insani. The Kamal Insani is to believe that you are not perfect. And you do make mistakes. When you live this way, then you'll see at that time, in that phase, in the future, that uh, this is what I was uh, promised. That if I behave this way, like uh, someone who is always uh, penitent, a verb, always coming back to Allah, frequently, a hundred times a day, making tawbah, making istighfar, then the promise will be fulfilled the promise of your tawbah being accepted and the promise of Jannah being very close to you will be fulfilled. And Hafil, you will still remember your mistakes and your sins and so on. So in Jannah, you will be required to be cleansed before you enter Jannah. In Jannah, there is no filth. So all the phases that human beings go through in this dunya, all the trials, tribulations, all the troubles, all the tests that Allah puts you through, even making committing a sin is a test, and then making tawbah also is a test, and then in your grave, what you grow, go through, then when you wake up in your resurrection, when you go through that phase also, which is probably a, a horrific phase for human beings, that's even more horrific than the grave. And then after your hisab is done, and you see Jannah is so far away. How am I going to get there? So Allah will bring Jannah close to you instead of the other way. Your actions don't bring you close to Jannah. It's the other way. Jannah is brought close to you out of Allah's fadl. Okay. So man's incompetence is what is now uh, required here for man to assume and man to believe and acknowledge I am totally incompetent I'm not worthy of going into Jannah. Whoever fears the Rahman in the unseen, meaning they don't see Allah, they believe in Allah, He is the unseen. So when you believe in the unseen, where He is not tangible, He is not tactile, He is beyond your perception, you believe in Him because He is there. And if you fear the Rahman this way, then you'll be let into Jannah. Khashiyan al-Rahman. So Allah uses his name, the Rahman here. Allah doesn't use the name Allah here. Man khashiyan Allah. Man khashiyan Rahman. So Rahman will have two sides. One is that he is able to punish if he chooses to. And the other is that he forgives if he chooses to. 
So you mustn't become confused with the name Rahman. And then say that Rahman only has Rahma. He does, but he has another side. As you will see in Surah Rahman, Surah Rahman speaks of Jahannam. As it speaks of Jannah. So just because the name Rahman comes from the word Rahmah, we must not assume that there's not the other side. There's the other side. So that's why the Khashir Rahman. Why would you fear the Rahman if the Rahman just meant merciful? If the word Rahman just meant merciful, then what is the word Khashir? Why are you fearing the Rahman? He's all merciful. He's going to forgive you anyway. No, the Quran says that's not the way. You understand the name of Rahman. The name of Rahman is comprehensive. It includes all his sifat, all his names, all his attributes. And then you have to be in awe of him. You have to be afraid of him because of his, you know, his grandeur, his magnificence, and his presence. And that is very intimidating. Bil Ghaib. As I said, that it is in the ghaib. And he remains in the ghaib. وَجَاءَ بِقَلْبٍ مُنِيبٍ And the one who brings a very repenting heart, someone who brings a very fearful heart, one who is always, again, same thing as awab, inab, means to incline towards Allah subhanahu ta'ala's rahmah. That someone who brings in his heart, the heart is now... Uh, the place where Allah's nur descends, and that nur then forces him to go back to Allah and to be inclined towards Allah, and then ask for his rahmah, and ask for his forgiveness, and so on. So this is the function that the Qur'an says is the function of the heart, which we may discuss a bit later uh, today. Anyway, so these are the qualities of those people who want to enter the last phase of their existence, which is uh, permanent bliss. So the goal and objective of human beings is to travel through all the phases of their existence from the arwah and into the mother's womb, in this dunya, into the grave, into the mahshar, where you are resurrected, and throughout the processes of hisab. Those are the different phases altogether, independent phases. And then meeting Allah, and then, you know, inshallah, being allowed to enter Jannah. So the destination is very far. It's a very, very long journey. For that, you need to be stable, and you need to be positioned in such a way that uh, you, you are now ready to receive Allah's uh, eternal rahmah. Once that is destined, and you are there, Udkhuluha bisalam. Then uh, people will be told, enter into this Jannah bisalam with absolute eternal peace, tranquility, and you know, everything that you need in order to live eternally. Yeah. So eternal life requires that you prepare yourself, your mindset and your heart, and your mind, and your conscious, so that you, you, are, you are going to accommodate eternity. Eternity is very frightening in and you know, of itself. The idea you can live forever, that in itself is frightening. What, what are you going to do when you live forever? How does your mind acclimatize to eternity? People don't think that way. We'll be there forever, enjoying ourselves, which you will be, but what about your mindset, your heart? What about your conscience? What are you going to do with all that eternity? Yeah. So therefore, uh, in order to be uh, almost prepared uh, you know, consciously of your eternity, you will need a push. Uh, when we get to the gates of Jannah, inshallah, we'll be observing the gates of Jannah for 40 years. We're not ready for that kind of majesty and grandeur. You know, it's intimidating. When you go and see certain buildings in the world or see spectacular scenes of nature, you just stand there in awe. You're just intimidated by the majesty, by the beauty, by the glory. You're kind of stunned 
You're speechless. So now before you enter Jannah, never mind all the procedures, as, as soon as you see the gates of Jannah, you're standing there. You'll be standing there for 40 years admiring the beauty, the majesty of those gates. Now you tell me, how are you going to be acclimatized to eternity? It's not a piece of cake. Oh, yeah, Jannah is good. I'm good. <laughs> no. Uh, you have to pay attention to the details of Jannah. You won't end in Jannah being oblivious of Jannah. Like we are here. We're just oblivious of everything around us. We don't see anything. We don't feel anything. We don't perceive anything. We don't think of anything. We're just a kind of linear, one-track tunnel vision. And you get to your destination without even noticing anything. Total ghafla. Allah won't allow anyone to enter Jannah in a state of ghafla, where you don't observe everything that needs to be observed. And everything in Jannah needs to be observed. That's why it's Jannah. Now, who has that mental strength? Who has that longevity and durability? Who has that stamina to observe this? You're standing there 40 years. Can you imagine 40 years standing in one place? And you don't even get tired at looking at the gate. Mm. So when you read the Quran, take a step back and think what the word is saying. Don't cruise through at a thousand miles an hour. Oh, I now understand. If you say you understand, you've understood nothing. Pause, as the Prophet said when you read the Quran. Pause and think. What is this ayah saying? It's about tadabbur. Tathakur, tafakur, reflection, contemplation. So here, if you are not ready to contemplate in this world, it might just take you that much longer to, you know, really enjoy the pleasures of Jannah. So now, why is this one? Udkhuluha. Imagine Allah is ordering or the angels are ordering the people of Jannah enter why would you need to be told that? That if human beings are hungry and there's food there, they don't need to be told to eat. They'll just gravitate like animals. Why, why is this word here? Enter. So you have to stop and think. Why is Allah saying to the people of Jannah, Enter. Because they're not ready. That's why. They're not acclimatized. They have to be, a, they have to be prepared uh, intellectually, spiritually to observe what's coming in front of them. When you go somewhere on hiking or, you know, sightseeing or anywhere. MashaAllah, nowadays, subhanAllah, the amount of time uh, we research and search and plan and organize and then Google and Google twice backwards just to prepare psychologically for that uh, journey and that moment. Huh? Yeah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's words, they're more It's in the word. The ajaz of the Qur'an is in the word. The word has to be understood in the context of the Qur'an, in the context of the human mind, how the human intellect processes knowledge and processes observation, because there are obviously many ways to gain knowledge. One is obviously through, you know, uh, sense perception. Sense perception gives you knowledge. So when you're seeing something that you've never seen before, you have to stop and admire it. And process it. That's just very normal. So the very normal language comes into play here. Allah says, okay, now. What's the next word? Bisalam. Why is salam necessary? Because it's so awe-inspiring, you're so intimidating, you're afraid. If something is that beautiful, you're naturally afraid to approach it. So Allah then reassures everybody, no, 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 there's nothing to be afraid of. Bisalam. Yeah, with security. 
There's nothing to be afraid of. You may enter with total security and so on. So this is how you might want to study the Quran as you're reading the Quran and to understand the depth of what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying. This is the, the day of eternity, the day that was promised that after this day there is no real day and time will expire, basically. So this is the final uh, piece and the final leg of your journey. Now you may be here forever with a total security where you have no fear whatsoever of what it is you're going into. There was fear of the unknown. Jannah will be known, it, it will be made known. Allah will allow them to enter Jannah, which He has already defined for them. He's already now described Jannah and defined Jannah. So this will come back the knowledge that this is in Jannah, this in Jannah. That's why the Sahaba, when they're reading and asking the questions to the Prophet, they're asking about Jannah. As I said, they're not asking about Khilafah. They ain't interested. They're simply not interested in the Khilafah. What then is it? Jannah. Why they asking about Jannah? Because they know that when they get to Jannah, they'll be so awestruck and stunned and, you know, silenced. They won't know what to do. And then Allah will say, Udkhuluha bisalam. Understanding that the simplicity and the beauty of the language is what gives it its depth. So you don't need 10-hour lectures. What you need is to sit down and understand and think of each word as a human being. Why is this so relevant? That's it's in revelation. The ultimate description of Jannah with all the other ayat that describes Jannah as you will read Surah Rahman, Surah Waqiyah, and uh, Surah Ghashiyah, and other surahs, you'll see the description uh, of, uh, you know, the ni'am, the bounties and gifts of Jannah. And they themselves are miraculous descriptions, but the ultimate description is here in this ayah. Uh, that for them, they will have whatever they wish and desire. Uh, Whatever they wish and desire, which is obviously the height of pleasure, the height of happiness and joy, and the height of serenity and stability, and the height of everything, that you have whatever you desire. Okay. Whatever your souls desire and they crave and they enjoy and everything that is now delicious to the eyes will be there in Jannah. So that is beyond our perception and beyond our imagination here. So everything that a human being craves for will be there in Jannah. But then Allah says, And we have with us much more, much more than what you desire. So it's what you desire. And then what Allah wants to give you. And what Allah wants to give you is beyond your collective desires. So it's beyond your imagination. One is that, uh, as the Prophet said about Jannah, as the Quran also says about Jannah, that uh, no eyes have seen, no ears have heard, and no mind has perceived or thought of the ni'am in Ahmad, you know, the bounties of Jannah. It is beyond human perception. It is beyond human imagination, not only perception, imagination. And you know, uh, mashallah, when our imagination flies, it really flies. Wild horses won't stop us from fantasizing. They said no human being can even fantasize about the bounties Allah has in store for the people of Jannah. Yeah. I have prepared and stored for those good servants of mine. So if you sit down and think 
of this eye that, you know, can I get everything I want in this world? The answer is, obviously, is no. Because you don't have the physical capability and stamina. You don't have the mental durability. You don't have the psychological or the, you know, subconscious ability even to grab anything you want because you'll die. You know, this world is not the place where you get everything you want. If you believe this container that we are living in, this time and space, the dunya, is a place where you can get everything you want, then obviously that's more than a fantasy, it's a nightmare. This is not the time and place where that happens, it's not possible. So in this time and space, there are rules and regulations for this time and space, and Allah follows them. He won't override that. The water will always boil at 100 degrees. That is set. Occasionally, as a miracle, it might happen that certain things don't follow the order. But the Anbiya came to show people they must follow the order of this world. Cause and effect, whatever the rules are. And then the rule in Jannah is that there are no rules. So it's limitless and beyond any fantasy that anyone can fantasize. And that gives you hope and inspiration, okay, that okay, the, the, the trials, tribulations in this world are temporary, and hopefully if you have sabr and shukr, we'll get to our second phase and our third phase, fourth phase, and eventually we'll end up here. We have much more. We have what? Much more. As opposed to Jahannam, when Jahannam says, give me more, Allah says, no. And the people of Jannah, when they say, this is enough, Allah says, no, it's not enough. We have more. You contrast the two eyes, which is uh, the, 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 the Lail of Nabuwa and the Lail of Ajaz, as the ulama have written, Suyuti has written uh, a description of this in his Al-Itqan. He brings out uh, the rhetoric and the inspirational, you know, what do you call it, miracle of the words of the Qur'an, and so on. For those of you who are students, you may want to look there and see. So, وَلَدَيْنَا mazid, we have much more. There are some isharat in a hadith that speak about what is much more, but even that is still an ishara, and maybe it's much more than that too. It's just a hint. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will manifest himself and he will recite the Qur'an and people will see the face, Mubarak of Allah. But that's already there, it's already described. So what's more is we don't know, we don't have to wait. <laughs> we live in suspense until we get there, Allah takes all that uh, with our fear, inshallah. So here, so what, in one place where the intent of the divine is not necessarily to punish all human beings, in fact, the people who will be punished forever, the hadith says, there will be very few. And then the Jahannam will be constricted. No one else will be able to enter. It will be a very small place. Whereas in Jannah, it is limitless. And you can have as many as you want. The more, the merrier in the community of Jannah. And then when everybody has whatever they think they have in order to enjoy themselves, Allah will come out with another gift, then another gift, and another gift. Why? Because he is khalaq. Allah does not stop creating. So in Jannah, your ni'am, your gifts, they will be limitless because Allah's creation is limitless. He does not stop. He is eternally Creating, yeah, and uh, perpetually creating. Khalaq, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about himself. So he is perpetually creating here, and he will be perpetually creating in Jannah. Meaning that you will not catch up to the creation of Allah because you are a creation yourself. Your abilities, even in Jannah, will be stifled. Although in Jannah, you get what you want. If you want something, it will appear instantaneously in front of you. It will be there, ready for your consumption. You will become something like a mini-creator. You'll desire and it will be there. You think, it's there. But that doesn't add up to the creativity of Allah, which is much, much more than that. 
So you can imagine uh, how many phases of uh, creativity and how much noor and uh, how much, uh, you know, eternal bliss there'll be in Jannah. It is beyond human description because the human being will not be able to fathom the breadth of Jannah. But this is for whom, as Allah subhanahu wa will say in the ayah after this ayah. In between, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes back to the people of Jahannam that they are there for one reason and one reason all only, and that is the denial of Allah's existence and the persecution of people because they think they're God. وَكَمْ أَهْلَكْنَا قَبْلَهُمْ مِنْ قَرْنٍ هُمْ أَشَدُّ بَطْشًا مِنْهُمْ هُمْ أَشَدُّ مِنْهُمْ بَطْشًا And we have indeed destroyed many nations and people before them, before the Quraysh, when the Quraysh believed they were invincible and nothing can overtake them. So before the Quraysh in the, on earth, there were so many people that they know about. They knew about the Ad and the Thamud and they knew about the people of Nuh, they, they knew about Firaun and they knew about all other civilizations. They knew about uh, Shoaib Salam's people and they knew about every other nation around them geographically and others they would be able to draw analogies that they were destroyed. Whom Ashaddu Minhum Batshan, who were far mightier than themselves, who were much more severe in capturing and seizing and uh, taking control of things on earth and the bounties of earth and so on. Uh, and they were so powerful that they were able to pierce into the earth. Piercing, meaning that they, they traveled so well and so efficiently that they controlled the land, they controlled the topography. It didn't matter whether it was summer or winter. It didn't matter whether it was the mountains or it was, it was the sea. It didn't matter if it was forest or jungle. They were able to pierce through into the land. Naqqab. Naqqab. When you have a hole, and minqab, and so on. So here we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is depicting a picture of superpowers and civilizations that had so much in terms of worldly and material possession. But what happened to them? Ahlakna. We destroyed them. Why? Because they denied Allah's existence and Allah's ability to forgive. And they denied the Rasul of their time. That's why. Meaning that if you behave like this, then you'll be deprived. In this world, you'll be deprived. You'll be killed in this world. Halmim Mahis. Is there any place where they can escape this? Is there an asylum where they can go and hide and protect themselves from this type of wrath and punishment? Of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bringing you know, human beings, when they read this Quran, they see a depiction of Jannah. They say, okay, this is wonderful, alhamdulillah, you just assume that you'll be there. So Allah says, no, there's action required. You need to earn it. Uh, you can't fantasize about Jannah and assume you'll be there. It doesn't work that way. There's a cause and effect there too. So the cause will be your effort here, your iman here, and the effect will be Jannah. If you don't have the cause, the effect will be that you are destroyed and you will not be in Jannah. Uh, so it's, I mean, this is a reminder. Hmm? Um, this is a reminder. That's exactly what the next ayah says. The human beings, they forget and they forget so easily and they're so oblivious, and they're, they're, sometimes they're very childish, and they don't seem to realize what it is they're doing, and assume the best of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So indeed, in this, there is a reminder, as I just mentioned, so in these ayat that Allah subhanahu reveals and presents to the human mind and to human knowledge is that there is a dhikra, there's a reminder. Meaning one of the main purposes of the Qur'an is that it is a reminder. The Qur'an is a dhikr, it's a reminder. 
So it's a means of dhikr, a means of drawing closer to Allah. It's a means of ibadah and worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the primary objective is that it, it reminds people of who they are, it reminds people of who Allah is. And that is the objective. The objective is not only the super intellectual discussions that you have, you should have, and you should write and read and uh, do all that, which is part of it. Uh, the objective is not just simply academic, uh, that you are mesmerized by the knowledge in the Quran, but the ultimate objective is that it must bring you to Jannah. If the Quran doesn't bring you to Jannah, then you haven't read the Quran properly. That's not the objective. If you know all the tafsir in the world and you can write any book and tafsir of any ayah, but you don't end up in Jannah. Open loss. So that's why it's a dhikrah. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding all readers of the Quran that the purpose of revealing is to help you ascertain the truth and help you draw closer to your destination through Allah's fadl. So this is now uh, the ultimate objective. As I said, alhamdulillah, we have an academic institution here. We do all this. We have a whole library full of intellectual academic books, and we have teachers who do it the best way possible. Um, But that's not the objective. It's part of the objective, but the final destination is that it must, it must lead you to Jannah. لِمَنْ كَانَ لَهُ قَلْبٌ For the one who has a heart. Uh, now again, here, the objective is not to go into the Ghazalian theory, what is the qalb? Don't do that. Uh, don't get fascinated by that. You won't understand what Ghazali says anyway. So that's mute, that's besides the point. Uh, if you do, then you fantasize it. But he's not basing his knowledge on pure academics. He's basing his knowledge on this observance, experience, and so on. So yeah, it has a place. We do discuss that. And we have discussions about this. And many people do discuss what the qalb is in the Quran and what the aql is and what the ruh is and what the nafs is. Those are fine. But the qalb here, because the qalb means something that alternates. That's what the literal meaning of the qalb is an organ that alternates. It changes its direction. Sometimes the qalb faces the dunya and sometimes the qalb faces the akhirah. It's a qalb. It's always rolling, revolving, changing, alternating. So the idea is that when you read these ayat and you have dhikrah and you remember, you take heed, then your qalb will become settled. It will no longer be trembling. It will no longer be in a state of skepticism. It won't be rolling this way and that way. and It won't be confused. Uh, it will have istiqamah. It will have stability. So when the qalb has stability, you become like this. So that's what this means. A person, as you will see, qalbin salim, which is mentioned in other uh, ayat of the Quran, qalbin munib, which was previously mentioned. So the hal or the condition of the qalb should be that it doesn't alternate and it doesn't change. It remains very salim, sound, Mm, stable, meaning it's stable in the belief that Allah exists, it's stable in the belief that there is Jannah, it's stable in the belief that there is Jahannam. And it's stable in the belief that the Anbiya come and speak the truth and the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam is the last of all messengers. These are the, what we call the haqqaiq. These are the stable narratives that are not changeable. Okay? Because the word qalb is something that changes, alternates, switches. But when it doesn't switch and is fixed with these permanent fixtures of aqaid, then it becomes qalbi salim, a sound heart, where you're always in sync with Allah. So it doesn't matter which phase of life you're in, which phase of your existence you're in, and what kind of trials and tribulations, or whether you're in a good state or you're in a bad state, you are salim. You're safe and sound. You're stable. You don't move your goalposts because you have an incident in your life that kind of shakes you 
and uproots your foundation. If it uproots your foundation, yeah, you're in trouble. Then you're totally confused. That should not happen to a believer. A believer knows Allah exists. And he knows Allah is in control. And he knows that there is Jannah and there is Jahannam. That's all you need to know in order to navigate even the most stormy systems and phases of your own life. You know Allah is there. And all the stories of the Anbiya come to reassure you that even if you're trapped in the dhulumat, okay, the phases of darknesses like Yunus al-Islam, He's trapped in the belly of a whale, which is all dark. Then he's trapped in the ocean, which is also dark. Then he's trapped under the storm, which is another darkness. And he's trapped there. There's no sunlight anywhere. So he's trapped in darknesses. But he's still reassuring himself by Iman. His heart is stable. He's not shaken. No, that level... Of Iman Allah gives all that, but that's the idea of the story. That it is simply a miracle that a human being is able to maintain not just his sanity, not just his faith in Allah, but he is so composed that he utters a dua which is a mojiza in itself. And why are you thinking that? I mean, you know, <laughs> God forbid, if we get into a slight mishap on the road, we're shaken. Then the next day we dream it again and again, reoccurring dreams. Huh? That's how our psyche is. We just dream it until it goes away eventually. Yunus al Islam is not shaken. He understands who he is, where he is, and he understands who Allah is. So that the, the, the concrete belief and the, 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 the uh, stable, uh, what do you call it, um, belief in aqeedah in Allah. Brings out this nur from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You are glorified. I am the one that's making all the mistakes. I'm the one that is now in trouble. You are pure. You're above any mistake. So he acknowledges himself and he acknowledges you, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So this is what Qalbin man kana luhu Qalbun. Someone who has a qalb, which by design is supposed to rotate and roll over and alternate, but now this human being with his superpower of iman is able to stabilize it. Now the human being is in control and the qalb is not in the control. So that's a karama. That you have a human being, you have this unique ability to now make your own destiny. No, I'm not shaking. Allah is here and Allah is with me. That is what's meant by this ayah, that this is a reminder for those people who may go through their human life in this world through phases of changing and changing and changing, alternating. And you change with the environment, with the, with the weather, you change with people, you change with your trials and tribulations, you change with your academic understanding, research, which is another phenomenon with scholars. They seem to change. As soon as they have, they have some more research, all of a sudden they change. That's not Islam. Islam doesn't want you to change your thoughts and ideas. <laughs> There's one idea which never changes. La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. The ideas, like, as I said, the Akhirah, they don't change just because you have academic research. Academic research should solidify your Iman, not diminish it. So that's another level of Qalb, where your intellectual ideas now help you stabilize yourself. And they, they don't derail you. And, so, and then you have the spiritual phases, where, mashallah, where other people who do dhikr, they, they change all the time, every day. But they don't lose sight of the truth. So change is a natural phenomenon in all human beings and in all phases of human existence. Not just the physical phase, in every phase of human existence. But Allah will say that this is for the one who has a stable heart. Qalbun. Qalbun kamilun. Qalbun salimun. And so on. Awal qassama. Or either the, he pays attention 
and listens properly and attentively. He throws his hearing. Literally, that's what the word means. Alqa, throw, sama, hearing. So when he's listening to the truth, he throws his listening and he pays attention to every detail of what is being recited in Revelation. This referring, obviously, uh, throwing your, uh, paying attention to the Quran and to the words of the Quran and so on. So now you have the, the two positions. One is absolute yaqeen, and the other is that you have a process by which you increase your yaqeen when you listen and you pay attention. And then if you do that, well, who are shaheed? Now you're an observer. Now you are a witness to the truth of the truth, and you can testify to the truth at any given point in your life as with Ibrahim salam, that he testified to Allah's now existence throughout all the trials and tribulations and the Prophet did the same, all the Anbiya did the same, all the Sahaba did the same. And so, on. so that you see that, that the level of yaqeen that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes human beings to develop is now you know, going to help eventually with the final destination and that is Jannah. So that's how you want to read these ayat and benefit from these ayat. And that is part of Al-Qur'an Al-Majid. The noble Qur'an elucidates all the phases of human existence and gives human being hope for eternal life. Not just for this world. The problems with modern day society is that people want hope for this life and they don't consider anything else after this life so their hope is now truncated it is shortened and therefore their life usually ends up not too good but if you expand your existence to another world and then eventually to eternity then you'll never lose hope in Allah's rahmah so the cure is to believe in the akhirah that's why in so many hadith the Prophet said, Man kana billahi wal akhir. Belief in Allah, which by itself is not enough. Wal akhir. You have to believe in the last day. And after the last day, there's eternity. Okay. So in that sequence, uh, you must deliver hope to people. And say, yes, your life is miserable, but one day when you meet Allah, Inshallah, he will reward you immensely and he will allow you to live with peace and in blissful eternity. Uh, inshallah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allows us to read the Quran and understand it. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala make the Quran a means of being able to enter Jannah, inshallah, through Allah's fadl. Ameen ya rabbal alameen wa sallallahu ta'ala khayra khalqi muhammadin wa alihi wa sahabihi wa sallam. Bi rahmanika ya Allah.